tonight on Whiskey Waffle. They called it champagne whiskey. Did they say why? Did it have bubbles in it? I must say that I preferred his hat on our Wednesday night session up at the chapel. Irish! And all the Irish listeners just turned up. That's this episode on Whiskey Waffle, the podcast. I mean, cast. Good evening, fellow wafflers, and welcome to episode 37 of the Whiskey Waffle podcast. Good evening. My name is Ted. And my name is Nick. Hello, hello. Hi, how is everyone doing? We don't expect you to respond, but you know. Yeah, I'm great. Nick, I wanted to tell you about something. Yeah, So okay. this, this this morning, like, the alarm went off and I went right over and sort of went back to sleep. And while I was sort of asleep in that time between that alarm and my next one, I had a dream. Okay. And in the dream, well, Peter Bignall was there. Yep. Belgrove's own. Yep. Belgrove's own Peter Bignall. And there was a girl who was singing a song called The Ballad of Peter Bignall. And I cannot remember how it went, but it was actually uh, quite good. We're going to have to write this now, aren't oh, we? Oh, I know. I wish I could remember anything about it, but it was just gone. <laughs> the Ballad of Peter Bignall. Oh, well, it'd be quite a, a sad tale at the moment. We need to give yeah. it a few months and we can have a happy ending. Anyway, I thought I thought that would be amusing for you. It, it, it's very amusing. Anyway, uh, good news, fellow wafflers. Good news. We're back on the wagon. Woo! I was actually thinking about this. Like, usually being back on the wagon means that you stop drinking. Yeah, true. But in this case, for back us, the as Whiskey Waffle, <laughs> back on the wagon is back on the booze. <laughs> yeah, true. We have finished Dry July. What, what did you learn, Ted, throughout Dry July? For me, it was kind of just a bit annoying not being able to have a, the occasional mm-hmm. drink when I wanted to have one. And the most annoying bit I found about it of all was because I finished... Dry July before you did yeah, by about I a week, even later. and so I during that week, like there was occasions where I really wanted to have a, a drink with you, and I couldn't. But then I sort of also then just didn't out of sort of respect and loyalty, except for the first night that you were able to drink again when you're posting me photos of your yeah, entire. Yeah, well, that, that, that's fair enough. I mean, I'm gonna rub it in your face a bit. What about you? What have What have you found out? Um, not much. <laughs> No, um, it was it was a little bit a little bit annoying all the way through. It was a little bit boring actually, um, because for us, our whiskey is not so much a vice; it's a it's a hobby. Yeah, it's it's a social thing for us. We yeah. we enjoy sitting down and chatting with each other over a dram. Yeah, it's... one thing we certainly learnt is that the uh, non-alcoholic stuff is no substitute. Oh God, that Glendocus <laughs> is just—it still gives me shudders. <laughs> you only had it the one time on the podcast last time. I felt so. so sick afterwards. Yeah, no, you were not well actually. I've seen you much healthier after a whole day of whiskey drinking. So, speaking of which, mm, we've done a whole week of whiskey drinking, haven't we, Teddy Boy? Yes, we have indeed. We got back on the wagon just in time for. Tasmanian Whiskey Week! I mean, we may have planned it. We couldn't have uh, organised Dry July across Tasmania Whiskey Week. That would just be... Yeah. That would be going too far. That would have sucked. Yep, yep. Um, so I actually, my very first night that I could drink again, we were hosting an event at the Chapel in Burnie. Yes, we were indeed. And the alcohol affected you so much that you dropped a glass. You were the only person to do so. <laughs> I did. I did, drop a, I did drop a glass, yeah. But no, nah, I was, I was all right all, no, all around. It was it a fun night, bad. actually. And um, yeah, there was a lot of industry people there. So put a bit of pressure on us as hosts yeah. um, to get everyone's names right and, and get our facts straight in front of the board of Hellies Road. Indeed. So we had um, we had Karen and Shane from Tasmanian Whiskey Selectors. Yep. Um, who have also started a distillery Um. In Meander, I think it is. It's yeah. on Bogan Road, Ted. Yes, Bogan Road Distillery. Mm. Uh, who else do we have? Well, we didn't have uh, Adams or Old Kempton. Yeah, it's funny that. Um, <laughs> Despite someone telling me we did. Yeah, so someone whose name may or may not be Ted <laughs> um, may have potentially looked at the wrong email when we're uh, preparing for this event. So we at our events, we kind of do like little intro sections for each of the uh, yeah. next distillers. Um, and so really, got- really spontaneous banter that is yeah. thoroughly rehearsed. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, and we had these all perfectly set out and then turned up. And, well, you, you said you should have seen your face when Tom from Ferno Distillery <laughs> walks in the door. <laughs> yeah, we hadn't exactly planned for that. But actually, we came up with a really good intro for him yeah. um, in the, the minutes that we had. Um, we had Cam Brett from Spring Bay. Yeah, up. brought up some whiskeys as well. And Launceston Distillery came up. Dave? Dave, Dave. Yeah, Dave. We met Dave, which was yes. good. And um, yeah, Ted and I closed out with a Hellier's Road segment. Yes. 
unofficial, very, very much unpaid mm. um, local brand ambassadors. We are, but, you know, it's, it's, someone's got to do it. Um, but they, they actually didn't have any brand ambassadors down south on the weekend at the Tasmanian Whiskey Showcase. Mm, which but, is, well, we were there. We were there, yeah. So yes. I suppose we should have been behind a stall, but um, we were having too much fun tasting all the rest of the whiskeys, weren't we? Yeah, Pretty much every, every man and his dog in the Tasmanian Whiskey scene was there, so... Um, it was it was a fantastic session or two sessions as we were lucky enough to. Experience. Yeah, we managed to just sneak our way in. It was may, may have been a slight mistake in the end. I no I, no no no. I don't know. Never never a mistake. But like I was fine for the entire first session. Like got out of there, felt great. Yeah. Um, and then got halfway through the second session and just got smacked. <laughs> yeah, it happened about half an hour ago and you were you were gone. But having said that, if we hadn't been allowed to come back for the second session, then we would have gone a lot harder in the first session. Yeah, so. this is this is true. Yeah, but no, we, we got around to everyone in the end, every whiskey producer that is. And um but most importantly, the biggest exciting most exciting news that came out of that day. Yes. We met T Troud. We did meet T Troud. Yeah. <laughs> T Troud turned up. He was about to destroy the place. Yeah. This is, of course, our good friend Terence the Robot of Ultimate Doom or AKA Destruction. Joel, yep. <laughs> he with his um, bombs of bourbon to um, explode. Yes. And uh, take the place but like a after whiskey an terrorist. Epic battle. Mm. Um, we stopped him, shook hands, and then had a drink together. So Indeed. that was nice. Yeah, yeah. So we made peace with T Troud. Um, no, it was it was actually good. I caught up with him later after you'd uh, fallen asleep on a table somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was bad. I couldn't I couldn't quite finish my burger because I was struggling to stay awake. Um, we also um, met up with whiskey is my jam as well. Yeah, it was Matt, uh, Mr. Jam uh, Manning helping man the uh, Hobart whiskey. Uh, he was and take lots of photos, which is pretty much his mo. Yep. Yeah. 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 Stalker. And, and but basically, we met a whole bunch of. I mean, the the best thing for me, like apart from the whiskey, which was definitely up there. But we we've been doing this thing for so long now that pretty much we knew everyone behind every stall except for a few of the newbies. Mm. You're absolutely right. That's my favorite bit as well. You just mm. um, just that moment where Jane Overeem spotted us. Um, you know, a little way across the room and came over for a massive group hug. Like that yeah. was you know yeah. goals, great. whiskey goals. At the very start, we said right. Let's go for a lap of the room um, and just scope out what's there. And we got halfway down and yeah. then we we're drawn, in, drawn into a conversation. So yeah. it was like, yeah. <laughs> and that led on to the next one, which led on to the next one. But no, nah, it was a really good session. Really good session. Got pretty mm. um, pretty full on towards the end. But um, yeah, we made it through unscathed and uh, didn't, didn't offend anyone. And yeah. And well, I, at least... I can remember not offending one for most of the things. It's just a bit of a hazy section at the end where I have no idea. Nah, we were, we were good, Ted. I, I remember it quite clearly. Um, oh, good. Yeah, we were... We I'm were, glad I was a good boy. I was at that, that stage of drunk where, you know, I was the most charming person in the room, in my head. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it was great. I think, but Tasmanian, the Tasmanian whiskey sort of scene, the, peop, the people within the Tasmanian whiskey scene are just such lovely people. And yeah. It's, it's always just it. so... So nice to go um, talk to them. And you know, just a, go, a wonderful, hey, slightly drunken conversation yeah. with Mark Nicholson and Bill Lark towards the end of the session. Yeah, see, I, that's that's one that I fuzzily remember happening and I was not in a state to be uh, having a no, conversation I, with I was and I Bill had, Lark had a really good Nicholson. chat and I think uh, we might have teed up a podcast opportunity for the future, Ted. You'd be oh, pleased to know. Well, that's exciting to know. It is exciting. I wish I was there. <laughs> you will be there for the podcast, Ted. <laughs> Stay tuned, fellow wafflers. Right, we have waffled enough in this intro, um, but it is kind of a bit of a segue into our... Our waffle topic today. We are going to be covering um, not so much a top five, but a five Tasmanian distilleries to watch out for, to be excited about. Yeah, well, they certainly got us excited this week. So. Yeah, absolutely. Things that we're just enthused and positive about, things that you might not have tried, or, or even you might have if you've got your finger to the pulse, or if your whiskey is my jam. So, yeah, we're going to tell you our thoughts about the stuff we discovered this last week. The Waffle. So we're still excited about Tasmanian Whiskey Week. We're on a high. Ted, yeah. Ted, Ted's yeah, um, totally. on a very low chill high at the moment. But to- totally on a high. No, no, I'm super. <laughs> I'm super stoked from the week we had. It was great. Yeah, really, really loved um, getting out there. So yeah, and there were so many distilleries that made us excited. Like coming up with just five was a massive challenge. Like we could be talking about. I don't know some of the new little guys like trying that Huntington for the first time was really exciting. Yeah, that that was that was cool. Um, or um, Dam- just uh, trying Damien Mackey's uh, mm. new make. Yeah, that I know. Was- I can't wait to see this Irish pot still style coming out. Mm. Um, and Launceston Distillery 
pork cask is always a favorite. Like I had that a couple of times and it just goes down so well. Oh yeah. And after, after like, well, probably a couple of years of chasing, actually, we finally managed to catch up with, um, well, at least one half of Taylor and Smith. Yeah. Yeah. We saw Ben, which was um, great as well. So there's so many people we can mention, but this is going to be five of our absolute standouts that we're just really excited about what we tried and what the future holds. And yeah, you guys yeah. should be too. Let's, let's be clear. This is, this isn't like a, um, five to one list of sort no, of... it's not even like the best. Yeah, it's things. not the best, and it depends like what order we try them in. Sometimes can affect it. So, our, our different five distilleries could have come out on a different day. Let's start off with um. Let's start off with Robbie and Emma. Such lovely people. Um, they of course have recently founded Derwent Distillery. Mm, yes, indeed. Which is funnily enough on the Derwent. Yeah, well, we were, we've actually been out there and saw their paddock. Yep, it was but, a paddock, but it had a shipping container in it. It did. Apparently, the shipping container is still there, but also, there's a distillery building, too. Woohoo! And uh, a tiny little 50-litre still. Oh, it was so huge. <laughs> there's a bigger one as well. So <laughs> huge. There is yeah. a big one, too, but yep. yeah. The 50-litre uh, fi- still, and sort of Robbie just like leaning on top of it. I think he's, with, he's snuggling with it. Yeah, well, why wouldn't you? Um, it's all about... PDA with a still. Don't get overexcited and cuddle it while it's um, doing a run. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. So we tried a Botrytis cask and we tried a and stout, stout, stout yeah. finish or stout matured. Um, oh. And they were, yeah, they both stuck in my mind as, as excellent whiskies. Remind, remind me about Botrytis. Botrytis. Yes. So that is referring to a late harvest or at least a sweet type of wine. The Botrytis is actually a fungus that grows on the grapes, which sounds really appealing. But what it does, it makes it shrivel up and concentrates the sugars, so therefore you can make quite a sweet wine out of it. Mm. Now, it's not always stuck in barrels, but occasionally it is, and these barrels sometimes find their way to whiskey makers. Indeed, they do. Quite exciting. Um, I, I will say that the Derwent, the Derwent logo mm. um, looks like something out of Game of Thrones. It's a shield with yeah. like three waves sort of going across it. It's pretty good. In fact, probably the only the only label I can think of off the top of my head that I prefer is from our next distillery, Spirit Thief. Spirit Thief. And Brady I can Steel. call them distillery these days because we've talked about Spirit Thief before with their independent bottling, but we have tried for the first time stuff distilled by Brett. Still not at his own distillery, but he distilled it at White Label. Indeed. He calls it gypsy distilling. Yeah. He sort of rocks up, is camped out there, steals the still for yep. a bit. <laughs> now, while we, while we were there, we had three different whiskies mm. um, to try. Yeah, the three new ones they've released. Two Tempranillo casks. Mm. So one was in a French oak and one was in American oak. Yep. And there was also a Shiraz cask. Which was also American oak, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And uh, all three were exceptional. Do you have a favorite? I probably rank it as the French oak um, temperamento was probably my least favorite, but not that's not saying it was bad. I just didn't quite as appeal much. Probably then the American oak Shiraz that had mm. a really sort of fruity, stone fruity flavor. And then the uh, American oak temperamento was like, yeah, my top was like really yeah. gooey, rich, spicy. Good um, um good news, Teddy boy. We got, we got a bottle downstairs. Yes! <laughs> so stay tuned for a future review of that one. Um, uh, tasting panellists and uh, drinking buddies. Um, but everyone else will get to listen to us waffle about that probably next month, I reckon. Mm. Yeah, Sounds so good. there's uh, a little bit of a spoiler. Next up is another distillery that we hope to talk more about in the future because we really are overdue another visit of Sheen Estate Distillery. Yeah, big thing. So back when we first visited Sheen, they had one barrel. <laughs> and it was a little one. Yeah, sitting up in the one. loft. Yep. Uh, they got a few more now. Mm. There's been a bit of a sort of a change in the structure of Sheen. Uh, so originally it was a pairing between Damien Mackey and David Kernicke and Kernicke family. There was a bit of a split along the way. Damien's gone off to do his own thing now. Um David stayed with the um, Sheen brand, Sheen Estate. He, they own Sheen Estate. So they've got a new range. There's Sheen bottling. There's like three Sheens. And two Mackies. And two Mackie releases. So they're releasing both Sheen whiskey and Mackie whiskey. Yeah. Uh, we think that somewhere along the way, they'll probably drop the Mackie name. Yeah, that's what um, we're expecting to happen. But um, it's at the current stage still a tribute to their original style. Mm. So we did. we tried three... Uh, bottles the other day while we're yeah they've uh, got sampling. fancy names there's the uh, Mackie Enigma the Sheen Elixir of Life which was uh, a mixture of uh, sherry sherry and more sherry I think well no it was a pair and tawny then ah. finished in PX 
Ah, yes. So all the fortifieds. All the fortifieds. It was, yeah, really, really rich. Um, mm. Then we had the a cognac release. Mm. So that was smooth as anything. Yeah, a pair and tawny casks um, and then finished in French cognac cask. Mm. I, it had quite a like light, spicy end to it, though. Mm. Um, and then, yes, the Mackie Enigma. So difference between the... Sheens and the Mackies. The Sheens are uh, double distilled. The Mackies are triple distilled. Yeah, with uh, I think there might be a few exceptions even to that rule, but um, <laughs> yeah, probably we can't exactly follow which is which. Which is why we need to go and visit. And um, David, last time we saw him, um, said you know we, we'll have to come down. So that is our plan. Hopefully to do that soon. So our next next one up. Um, I've been there. I'm quite lucky. It's it's not the easiest distillery to get to. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm a bit but, jealous because I've not. Yeah. So our next distillery is based on Flinders Island um, in the Ferno Group um, up in Bass Strait, and it is Ferno Distillery. So mm. yeah, that that was super cool. Um, the distiller Tom came over and had a uh, chat with us on Wednesday night. Yep. Um, and then we also saw him down south. Um, on the uh, Saturday for Taz Whiskey Week. I must say that I preferred his hat on our Wednesday night session up at the chapel compared yeah, he, to his... He dropped his hat game on the Saturday. Yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a... It was a Makita baseball cap on the uh, yeah. on the Saturday. No, it wasn't as impressive as his nice broad Wednesday. brim. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So... But yeah, lo- lovely fellow though. I'd only met mm. him for the first time on Wednesday night. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was really impressed by... Well, I guess just hearing him talk about what he does and the sort of... the It's, it's pretty new. They've only been going up there since 2019. They, they started off um, making stuff at um, Launceston Distillery. Their stills are very similar and they're sort of using similar wash. So yeah. they started off making some spirit there first before moving over to production on the island. Mm. But don't give too much away, Ted, because our listeners are in for a bit of a treat because Tom, uh, along with Damien, the, um, the, the owner of Ferno Distillery, are going to be appearing later in the podcast with an interview that you recorded a few months back when you were on the island. Yeah, I... Pretty much right, right back near the start of the year, I recorded that over mm. when I was over visiting. So yeah, so we we were very excited about their smoky wedding that's just been mm. released. Yeah, no, that that was that was great, super maritime in character. They try they sort of get inspiration from uh, Isla whiskey in that maritime characteristic. The distillery is like right on the waterfront mm. on Flinders, and it really does get that salty iodine. Yeah, well, they've boosted up their own Flinders Island, Pete, with some uh, with some stuff coming over from Isla as well. So they smoke their own stuff, but they also bought in. That's why it's called the Smoky Wedding because it's that sort of. Uh, and but they actually blend them before they even distill, like as the barley's blended together. So they just create, yeah, um, this Smoky Wedding as they call it. Yeah, yeah, Great. which really just brings us to one final distillery. It's it's a little small newbie, new operation, just sort of taken over maybe uh, a year ago. You might nice not have heard of these nice guys. young couple. Yeah, nice young couple just just sort of, you know, just getting started. They'd actually, you know, sort of been dabbling a bit themselves but uh, been able to take on a slightly bigger slightly bigger operation. <laughs> and you guys are going to roll your eyes when we say what it is, but we cannot go past this one distillery. Every time we see them, we're just impressed by what they're doing and we couldn't be happy it's back in family hands. Yep. It is Overeem, of course it's Overeem. <laughs> um, Mark and Jane, it's such such a lovely couple. Mm. Um, and yeah, well, we we tried some Overeem again um, when we were down at the Taz Whiskey Showcase. Yep, and it still continued to impress us. Mm-hmm. I think you were, you said something to me before that you think it's sort of a. Maybe a bit of a reinvention, or maybe yeah. not reinvention. Um, that was part of my justification for getting mm. it in this section. But um, mm. you know, that it's just exciting all over again because um, Jane and Mark and um, you know, Casey on the weekends, um, and also you know, the two young boys playing around in the Bond mm. store. Like it's it really feels like a family operation again, and I'm just, I couldn't be more excited yeah. for the future. It, that's it. It's it's got that personal touch back. Mm. Um, and yeah, the whiskey that they're releasing is delicious i um yeah i tried the um i just went dove straight in and went for the cast strength um sherry and that was delicious i did like the cast strength and then yeah and then there was the uh tawny Mm. as well um yep yeah great yeah so it's good stuff so um we couldn't really talk about tasmania whiskey week without mentioning the stuff Mm. that's coming out of overeem because we're still excited by it oh every time It, it just it generally never fails me so there you go um like there's so many more that we can mention we can mention the entire room but 
we figured that if we want this podcast to sort of keep within reasonable limits, we're already um, <laughs> we're already scraping it a little bit too high, Ted. So, <laughs> yeah. But let us know if you've um, well had any of the ones that we're trying. If they get you excited, maybe they don't get you excited. Maybe you're like deadly enemies. Maybe <laughs> Brett Steele is your arch nemesis. <laughs> Cannot imagine that. Not after meeting our deadly enemy Joel, and turns out that he's actually a really lovely fella. Yeah, no, totally. Um, but yeah, let us let us know. But also let us know what your um sort of five whiskies distilleries that are getting you excited are at the moment. Yeah, we'd, we'd, no, I'm sure a bunch of our listeners were at that showcase alongside us. So tell us what your faves were. Let us know on Instagram comments or um shoot us an email. Ah. That was my hint to Ted to mention oh, yeah, the yeah. carrier Sorry. pigeon. Sorry, I was, I was just uh, coring back at you. <laughs> yeah. um, no, no, send us a carrier pigeon. Yeah. We, we do enjoy receiving them. Um, we take good the care best. of them. Yeah, yeah, most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Unless we receive one just after the whiskey showcase. Yeah, I lost mine. <laughs> yes, ours, ours is a sort of classic 15 to 20 minute podcast that just happens to go for a, like... Exactly, yeah, yeah. 50 minutes. The whiskey. Nick. Yes. Are you ready to weep like an Irishman over a poxy potato? Um, no, but I'm going to weep over my unfinished novel that will uh, never see publication. Oh, yes. <laughs> all that all that blood, sweat and tears. Yeah, I'm just lacking in inspiration. That's my problem. I just, I need to drink more. That is a very good idea. I think over the uh, years... Um, there have been many writers who have turned to a dram or two or three mm. or ten <laughs> to um, help help them through, to create that inspiration. Unlock the door. One of our, our good friends, the cynical Scott, is also a writer in his um, full time. And uh, yeah, I'm sure that a, a little bit of his hometown spirit or maybe some from across the water might have got him through. Because this is an Irish dram we're reviewing today. Irish! <laughs> and all the Irish listeners have just turned off. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sorry. We we are very bad at the Irish accent, so it's it's very much not worth attempting. <laughs> nah, so we're reviewing a well, it's a really interesting whiskey from Ireland. I can't I can't say it's the distillery. I can't say it's an independent bottle or anything like that, but Ireland is a bit confusing. It's generally a a bunch of, you know, contracted whiskey or a barrel purchased here or this and that, mm. and today's whiskey is no exception. It's called the Riders Tears. So, Nick, yes, walk me through why the hell it's called Riders Tears. Well, we so is, is that the distillery? <laughs> no, it's not the distillery. Um, the actual name itself is is really like it's it's nice, but it's marketing guff. It's um. Oh, I do like a bit of marketing. Guff. <laughs> no, no, correction. You are cynical about a bit of marketing guff. Uh, no, we kind of alluded to it in our intro. It's uh, it's named after the. Writers of the 19th century that would turn to a bit of whiskey, a bit of Irish pot still whiskey, to be more precise, okay. to, to really okay. um, to really help them with their inspiration when they had a bit of writer's block. And right. apparently, <laughs> um, completely true, no shadow of a doubt, they would uh, drink so much whiskey to find this inspiration that when they finally got it, they would weep tears of whiskey. Right. <laughs> yep. That was that cynical uh, marketing, marketing guff thing coming out through Ted. That yeah, I, that's apparently what it's that, that's what it, why it's called that. But enough about the marketing guff. Let's talk about the spirit that is inside. So, Writer's Tears is owned by Walsh uh, Whiskey or Walsh. Mm, now Walsh, 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 Walsh. I've got a bottle, another bottle by Walsh. You do. Um, the Irishman. The Irishman. So that is their uh, completely sort of different style. Um, of whiskey, the Walsh, um, and that one is, I suppose, a bit more accessible everywhere, a bit more everyday. This is mm. a little bit more of a, of a special one, the Riders Tears. So is Walsh a distillery? Walsh is not a distillery, no. Mm. It's a family. A family? Yeah, nice. a husband and wife um, who, yeah, basically seeking out their whiskey from around the country. Um, this is thought to be a combination of, of about 40% um, of single malt whiskey. And we don't know exactly where it's from, but a lot of people think it's from Cooley. Cooley, right. Up in the sort of mid to east sort of um. Now, what is what is Cooley? Um, what flavour do we classically get from Cooley? <laughs> we get, well, I get bicycle tyres. Yeah. It's that no, sort of rubbery I, thing. It, rubbery is. You might have tried the, the Connemara. It's mm. from Cooley. Um, Tiraconnell is another one. Um, Kilbegan is another one as well. But... Um, uh, probably a majority of this or a more influential amount is made down at Middleton where they basically make everything, Redbreast, Greenspot, um, Chunker Jamisons. Yeah, and that is 
so we'll say roughly about 60% single pot still Irish whiskey. Mm. So what's what's the ingredients in single pot still, Ted? Um, so it's a combination of malted and unmalted barley, mm. I believe. I think yeah. it, it's all barley, isn't it? It, it is all barley. Yep. Yeah. It is technically allowed to have 5% of some other grain in it, yep. but this doesn't, which makes it technically it's not a blend. It's a vatting mm. because it's all, it's all malt. It's, all, well, it's, all it's, a, it's, it's not all malt. It's all barley. It's not a single malt either. No, though, so, no it's a blend yeah. of single malt, pot still, and um, yeah, but it is all barley. Mm. And yeah, so this one is their copper pot release. That's what they've called it. And yeah, this this rare blending of single malt and pot still whiskey is apparently something that was quite famous in the in the nineteenth century, and they they called it champagne whiskey. Oh. Did they say why? Did it have bubbles in it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, it's just because it was, you know, that was the fancy one. Oh, the, the Grand Cru. Those, yeah, the people with champagne tastes would drink that one. Yep. But yeah, this is a recreation of that, I suppose, or their own spin on it. And um, mm. yeah, we've got this in our glass. Now, uh, I'm going to preface it with it's only 40%, so it's quite it's quite a light whiskey. It's one of my first impressions. Mm. It's inter- It's not cloudy at all, though, which is interesting because it's not chill filtered. True. No, it's um, it's very crystal clear looking malt but yeah 40% quite, but non-chill filling yeah quite quite a pale amber mm. it's it's not sort of a it's not like a um side straw no in colour it's it is still quite ambery but the nose is, is sort of a a mixture of what you'd expect to get that honey vanilla but there's also a nice marmalade thing too which I'm kind of excited by mm. a bit of sort of I don't want to say sour plums no <laughs> they ripe plums I don't think it's ripe plums either. It's it's in pro- fact plums is probably not the right word. <laughs> no, it is it is plums. It's it's kind of like a plum jelly or something. Okay. Hmm. I think it's also got quite a like there's this sort of bit of a light grassiness to it, which mm. I reckon is the pot still. Yeah, know, I think you're this, right. The single pot. Yep. Um, in there, it's the, it's that unmalted barley. It reminds me a bit of the uh, single grain that I've got, the Invergordon. Mm. Um, Despite the fact there's no actual grain in this at all. No, not not the actual grain, but I think it's that unmalted characteristic. Yeah, maybe gives it a bit more of a yeah. Yeah, spicy, no, I think that dry grassiness. That, that spicy dry grassiness is the X yeah. factor there. So, mm. yeah, it's intriguing. Um, makes me want to have a sip. All right, let's do that. No, yeah, uh. I was going to say it disappears quickly, but no, there's a little bit of linger there. No, it it does stay. Yeah. Um, it's sort of on the back. It's got a bit of mm, slatiness or penciliness or something mm. like that. It's quite a thin spirit. Mm. Mm. It's it's got yeah quite a a much sort of thin, more fluidy mm. characteristic to it. I'm going with warm raspberry jam. Mm. Not hot raspberry jam, but also not. Oh, so temperature you, you, ha- you haven't bitten into your um, donut and scalded your mouth with uh... <laughs> No, you probably left it the right amount of time. Yeah, no, but I mean, raspberries. There's a little bit of sort of a, a light honey characteristic there. Mm. Bit of sugar too, maybe. Yeah. Like may- maybe not white sugar, maybe like a demerara sugar or a yeah, brown it, sugar. It's interesting, sugar, but without an overabundance of sweetness. It's actually mm. quite tart to finish. Mm. Yeah, on the finish, definitely. Mm. But um, it's quite drinkable. Yeah, indeed. If I drank enough of it, could I weep it out again? <laughs> I don't know. Any scientists listening that could uh, tell us? Like, obviously, there's going to be a small amount in your bodily fluids. But um, you know, if you're crying at 0.05, then <laughs> you should probably see a doctor. Yeah. Look, maybe if if it did come out, you could hold the glass under your eye and cry it all back into the glass and then drink it again. <laughs> Better out of your tear ducts than another area of the body. How does it stack up against some other Irish ones you tried? It's, yeah, the thing is, like, I'm quite enjoying it, but it's no it's no green spot. It's mm. no red breast, unfortunately. Um, like, it's still, it's still good, um, and it's still, it's still quite unique. Um, but, <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's still not drawing me away from those two giants there. Yeah, no, you're right. In saying that, it's not bad either. No. It is drinkable. It, it is a lighter, sort of more herbally style. And, so um, it depends if you like that sort of thing or not. So there's another release from these guys called Redhead, mm. I believe. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of releases, actually. Mm. Um, I, but I bought a bottle of the Redhead before. That's been in sherry casks. Yep. And uh, this one, of course, is just uh, American Oak bourbon. 
Um, but yeah, they, they, there's like five different bottlings. I, I can't remember what some of the others are off the top of my head, but it is interesting. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to leave it with this. This is one of my, I guess, one of the best things I can say about it. And I think the makers would be very proud of this comment. It is distinctly Irish. I'm I'm proud. <laughs> yeah, you're going to claim your 164th Irish heritage there that you only usually bust out on St. Paddy's Day. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, no, it's um it it's not a space side. It's not Highlands, it's certainly not Isla. Mm. It's it's something different and um yeah. Seeing as I know what's in the glass already, I'm going to call it Irishness. Irishosity? Yeah. Well, before we sign off and let them decide, mm. because this is a review, Yes. We need to give it a score. We do. We need to give it a star rating out of five. And I reckon that this is bang in the middle. Mm. A a, a very solid three. It is a three. It's not just like in the middle of our star rating. It's like right in the middle of the three zone as well. Yeah. It's not not sort of teetering on the edge of dropping into a two. No. There's nothing bad about it at all. It's also not um, sort of scraping at the ceiling to try to get into the four yep. category. It is very firmly three, but it is, yeah, it's just <laughs> solidly Irishly good. How boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them got to be like it. And um, yeah, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, to be, no, it's to be sure. To be sure, to be sure, to be sure. <laughs> we said we wouldn't do this. Um, yeah. Uh, no, to be fair, like you, you kind of want a few whiskeys that sit in that range, don't you? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you want a exactly three out of five star whiskey, look no further than the writer's tears. To be sure. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, no, there's a, a whole bunch of famous Irish cliches that we could offend people with, but... Uh, we could take a crack at it, though. Hey. Uh, that's, a, that's an Irish joke. Is it, though? Yes, it is. <laughs> whiskey, would you rather? Ted, I've got a question for you. Yes, Nicholas. Will you marry these two whiskies together? No. Uh, will you answer this whiskey? Would you rather? <sighs> you know, I'd really love to, but I've got a confession to make. Oh, I know. I'm actually seeing someone else oh, right no. now. And You're seeing another waffler? Yeah. No, no. You're drinking no, no. with someone else? No. Yes, yes. A million times, yes. <laughs> I will answer your question. That's right. I don't mind if you go and drink with someone on the side, as long as you always come back to drink with me. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, I, I, I will answer your question. What is your question? Um, it's a very fantasy situation, but um, okay. it was vaguely poetic, and both of us can experience all of these things. So here we go. Whiskey, would you rather? Ooh. Ted, would you rather live in Tasmania but only be allowed to drink Isla whiskey or live on Isla but only be allowed to drink Tasmanian whiskey? (laughs) Hmm, this is a good question. I do (laughs) rather like Isla. I know, right? And while people complain about the weather in Tasmania, the weather on Isla is generally worse. Yes. (laughs) I've been there in the summer, so I've only experienced just bright sunshine. Does this completely exclude all other whiskies? Uh, yes, you're only allowed to drink only Tasmania whiskey if you live on Isla, and you're only allowed to drink Isla whiskey if you live on Tasmania. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> interesting because it's not just to like, drink one or the other, but also the, the live and mm. I don't know. Live, live. He's going to turn this back on me as well, so <sighs> I don't know what I'm going to say. Are you living on Isla with me? Um, let's say both of us, yeah. Okay, okay. So we can waffle about either only Tasmania whiskeys or only yeah, Isla whiskeys. I'd, I'd miss you. Yeah. If I if I like if I'm being deported to yeah. Isla. No, I think I think you get to take take a waffle. Like you relocate. Okay. And you bring I'm, I'm, your you bring your significant other and your your significant waffler. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is there a time period for living there? Um. Do I have to? Do I have to spend the rest? Of, like, am I exiled? Let's to, go. Let's go for the rest of your life. So. The rest of my life. Yeah, that'll make it a bit harder. No, I think it's not like a holiday. I think that actually makes it easier. Yeah, because while I love Isla, I think there's probably sort of more to do in Tasmania mm. in general. I do really love peated whiskey, mm. but there's also non-peaty ones on Isla as well. So you've got Haven, you've also got Brooklady yep, ones in there. I don't, I don't know what style Garden Hose going to make. Yeah, um, but there are some starting up that yeah. would go into your tasting catalogue. Mm. 
while Isla is a nice place to visit, I, I probably would live there for some time for the rest of my life. Mm. I'm not sure about that. And so I think that I'm going to continue to live in Tasmania mm-hmm. and enjoy a smoky dram now and then. And plus plus some other interesting ones that aren't smoky that also will give me some of my non, non-peated non sort of Yeah, well, I think that um, your reasoning is pretty sound. And imagine living on Isla but not being able to try their, their yeah, wonderful and festival that, that, dreams. That's really lame as well. Like. Yeah. But, I mean, having said that, uh, some of the stuff that's starting to come out of Tassie is amazing. I can just imagine, like, if I wanted the quiet life, I could sit in a little college cottage in Port Ellen and, um, yeah, just get my go down to the local bottle store and get my bottle of Lark or my bottle of Avram. See, it's completely incongruous, isn't it? I know, um, right? I mean, yeah, that, that is one thing that I was thinking, like the quiet life sort of... Sitting in a little cottage, or not even like Port Ellen, maybe go down to Port Nahavan and just sit next to the ocean and watching the seals swim by and drinking your Tassie whiskey. There's a lot of appeal there. So I think if I was maybe, yeah, 50 or 60, I'd mm. do that and then retire. Yeah. Just read a few good books, drink a few good Tassie drams. Yeah, see, age, age could play in that too. Mm. But yeah, you're right. We're, we're at a pretty exciting time. So I reckon, uh, yeah, stick around in the, the big metropolis that is Tasmania and uh, enjoy some, some P.D. Ardbeg goodness whenever you want it. But <laughs> There you go. There well, you go. What, Made you li- think. Li- listeners, what would you do? Yeah. Would you live in Tasmania? Well, a lot of our listeners haven't been to Tasmania or Isla, maybe. Like, so that might be. We've got some impartial people out there. Mm. Please, mm. please give your opinions. Yeah, I love to think that we, someone from Isla listens to this too and weighs in on the debate. <laughs> yeah, it's like no, hundred percent. I'll live in Tasmania. Yeah, Isla don't sucks. Wanna, <laughs> no, it's like don't want to drink that crappy Tasmanian stuff for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting. They don't do. Um, they don't. Uh, smoke while the um, barley is malting. They uh, smoke post malt, so it's just trying to infuse that. Yeah, do, I mean, do the... we have a like a peating um... a law, a peating law? No, do we have a a, a a malting house that does peat? I don't think we do. I think the only peating in Tasmania is post. Yeah, malt. yeah I was thinking about actually. that listening to the interview. I was thinking, well, yeah, I suppose all the Tasmanian barley you're going to be able to get malted barley mm. is already been malted. So you can't really smoke it in that drying process. Yeah, that's true, actually. Mm. Good point. But obviously in Scotland, you know, peating it is part of the process mm. of the malting. You have to kill those sort of buds that are growing from it when it's just yeah. been malted. Yeah, they use peat to do it. Yeah, I suppose Lark does is mm. post-malt. Peter um, Bignall doesn't, not just post-malt, but he grinds it up into a powder first, into mm. a grist, and <laughs> to get more surface area to... Volume ratio oh, of the smoke. That's how, you, that's how you get your bogan burnout. Well, and he's just got the results back in. Apparently, it has been measured as um, about uh, 10% more peaty than the Octomore 10.2. Crazy, mm-hmm. crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, shout out to Pete. We got to see him on the weekend. Waffle, waffle, waffling with. G'day, Ted here, and welcome back to Waffling With. Uh, it's just me today, um, and apologies if the sound quality is a bit crappy on this one. I'm trying it off my phone because I am on Flinders Island, uh, the largest island of the Ferno Group in, to the northeast of Tasmania. And I couldn't come to Flinders Island, of course, without stopping at the local distillery. And yeah, having a chat to uh, Damien Newton-Brown and Tom Ambrose of the distillery. G'day, guys. Hello, Ted. Welcome. Damien, your owner... Um, owner, yep. yes, yep. I'd make the coffee, yep. <laughs> that sort of thing. And Tom, head distiller, is that where we... I say general manager because as well as distilling, I bottle and put things in the post and deal with the online sales and everything like that as well. So just the, the general man yeah. who actually does yeah. all the work around the place. Yeah. <laughs> Jack of all <laughs> trades. Yeah. So yeah, um, we are standing currently in the distillery looking at your beautiful stills. Um, so what, what size were the stills again? We, uh, we have a 1600 litre wash still and a 700 litre spirit still, both built by Napalua. Yeah, they're gorgeous. And there's something, something slightly unusual about these ones compared to some of the other Tasmanian ones. What, what's that, Damien? That'd be the lamp glass shape, would it be? Yep. Yeah. That's, how did you uh, come to that sort of 
decision when making them? Yeah, look, it's it's probably a nod to Isla yep. um, and particularly Lafroig. Uh, so doing a, a trip around Isla back in 2017 and, yeah, just tasting lots of different whiskies and looking at the different still shapes and, and what people were doing. And, um, and, yeah, the lamp glass shape being a kind of traditional Isla Scottish shape and also the fact that... Um, uh, to my knowledge, it's I think the only lamp glass shape in Tassie, or it was back when it was commissioned. Um, so it was something that yeah that, that no one else was doing and mm. yeah. Now speaking of Isla, so um, there's there's quite a bit of similarity between Isla and the location that we are now in Flinders Island. I think compared to any other Tasmanian distillery I've been to, this would have to be the most coastal distillery in the state, maybe even in Australia. I mean, I can see the beach and the uh, water just over where we are. How, how important is that to, um, to your setup? Yeah, it's a really unique location we have here. Isla and Flinders Island do have some extraordinary similarities. We're sort of like the Isla of Tasmania, a little island off the coast of another little island. And the sort of maritime climate here on Flinders really contributes hugely to the flavour of our whisky. All of our dilutions are done with the rainwater tank that's at the side of the distillery and there's sort of nothing between that tank and the great wide ocean, so it catches all that lovely sea spray. And the characteristics of that in our peat as well, our peat is coastal, comes from the east coast of the island, and it's made of those sort of coastal herbs and native uh, vegetation that produces a really unique flavour. Yeah, so you guys are different to a lot of places. So Lark has um, sort of been, I suppose, the historically the Tasmanian distillery that's used uh, peat, and that's from the highlands of Tasmania. Belgrave has recently stumbled across some in the northeast of Tas, but you guys are really going down the peat track. And what's, how's, how's the peat um, from Flinders different to sort of what people might be familiar with from Scotland? It's particularly salty. And I guess mm. the, the best way, if you, after we've done the, um, the peating process, you get the, the kind of ash that sits on the mm. bottom of the, the trailer that we use. Mm. Um, you can take that ash and, and, and if, you, if you wet it and rub it in your hand, it, it smells like it's, it's a really maritime, salty, Kind of, it, it smells like the place where it came from. Yeah. Well, speaking speaking of the um, peating process, Tom, what can, what can you tell us about the um, how you guys peat here? Yes, so we have a, a mobile malt kiln, which is essentially a modified trailer where we have a tray of um, barley, and we'll wet that barley down quite heavily because we are doing peating post malting. So as opposed to using the smoke to dry out a malted grain, we're actually getting Tasmanian malted barley, wetting that down, and then using our peat to dry that grain, which will give it a lot of contact with the grain and smoke itself. So basically I'll light a little peat fire on the floor of the trailer, and as that smoke rises up, it'll permeate that tray of barley, and really impart that phenolic flavour and keep adding to that throughout the day and try to get as much of that smoke profile as possible. Mm -hmm. And so are you trying to use um, that peating a lot in your in the whiskey that you're making as well? Definitely, as much as we can, we'll be producing peated styles. In winter, when all the peat is sort of underwater, we'll go back to unpeated and mm -hmm. produce a few batches that aren't smoky, just to have a little bit of variety, uh, but then we'll get right back into the smoky stuff as soon as we can. I believe that you've also got some uh, releases that use a combination of um, so your local peat plus uh, Scottish stuff. How do they sort of differ? Yeah, so the peat profiles from Flinders versus Scotland is completely different. The vegetation itself being completely different plants gives off a really different flavour and that sort of play, plays on the palate quite differently. So the 100% Flinders peated whiskies we've released have been quite earthy, briny, quite an ambient peat profile. So we've actually done a, a few batches where we've combined the grain from Flinders and the grain from Scotland and then made our mash from that. So that Scottish peat influence being a little heavier and a little bit more of that classic Scottish peat that we're used to provides a really interesting balance of those two different flavour profiles in the palate. It's quite a unique spirit really. Um, 
Now I can see we've got a bunch of casks uh, stacked up over in the corner of the distillery at the moment. What sort of uh, what sort of casks have you got going? Yeah, so we started out producing in twenty litre casks, uh, getting a lot of that contact between the spirit and the timber to produce a really rich style of single malt. Those will be aged for sort of two to two and a half years, and then after that we'll decant and let those breathe for a couple of weeks as we go through dilution to let them sit and give them a really nicely balanced and well-integrated flavour profile. In the meantime, we've got some 100-litre casks down as well, and those are a combination of ex-bourbon casks and ex-fortified wine, a pera and tawny. A rum cask down, uh, and a few whiskey refill casks also. Yeah. So, Damien, is that a sort of, I suppose, as an owner, this must kind of play in your mind a bit. Is it a bit, a bit of a tricky process? Flinders Island, obviously, being an island, things are... Yeah, a bit tricky to get back and forth. Like yeah, look, there's a there's one boat a week, which um, yeah, the timing of that depends on the tides and whether it gets stuck on the sandbar or not. So usually it's Tuesday, sometimes it's Wednesday. Um, but yeah, the logistics of it's essentially grain gets sent over, gets smoked, grain gets sent back. Yeah. Um, wash gets sent over in IBC, empty IBC gets sent back. So there's a lot of there's a lot of freight, a lot of movement going on which is um yeah the long-term plan is obviously to bring that you know on island but that's that's uh yeah it's in the next the next period now it's a it's pretty sort of interesting how you two guys um came to meet can you tell me a bit more about that story yeah so uh, damien's been coming to flinders ever since he was a kid but my first trip to flinders was in march in 2019 i'd come over to sort of participate in the food and crayfish festival that happens over here on Flinders which is an amazing sort of uh, exhibition of all the incredible native produce and the seafood and all these things like that basically we pick a bunch of crayfish out of the water and then we have a big feast and get really drunk so I was coming over for my first yeah, essentially just that. Piece yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that, that was my first look at Flinders I'd set foot on the island and driven up north to Killacranky which is where we were staying for the night and Sitting out on the deck, having a drink in the sun, watching the sun go down over Mount Killacranky. It sounded very romantic, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, these, these couple of blokes pull up next to us and they were sort of hair still wet from diving and got a bunch of abalone and crayfish and Australian salmon and all just sort of started throwing it on the barbie together. And uh, that's when I sort of got chatting to this bloke and shared a whiskey and found out that he was actually cooking up the idea for his own distillery on Flinders Island at the time. And uh, that, that was Damien, obviously, and so we sort of got chatting and made friends and then uh, I sort of let him know that if he needed anybody to run the distillery, I'll keep my ears out when I go back to Tasmania. And then five, six months later, mm. I'd uh, packed up everything and moved over to the island to be that producer. Yeah. So it was all very serendipitous. Yeah, no, great story. <laughs> so just, just wrapping up, I suppose, uh, what would you say uh, to people who want to sort of come and check out Flinders Island, sort of see the distillery and yeah, what, and what, make, what makes it special here? It's like, yeah, it's Tasmania on steroids. It's, it's <laughs> everything that's good about Tasmania distilled down into one place. Um, yeah, it's, it's beautiful, it's untouched. It's a time warp. If, mm. you, if you reminisce about the 60s, come here, it'll feel like you're back there. <laughs> And look, the community is, is really mm. the key. It's, it's, a, it's a brilliant community. There's, there's 900, I think, now, mm. um, which is on the way up. It dropped down to about 600. Yeah, okay. And you know, back in the mm. 80s, it was at 1,200. So um, it's, yeah, it's, I think it's going to be the star is rising on mm. uh, Flynn's Island. Mm. Well, Damien, Tom from Ferno Distillery, thank you very much for your time and good luck for the uh, future. We look forward to seeing some more releases. Thanks very much. My name is Ted and my waveforms are quite small. Yeah. But I'm used to that. (laughs) You're overcompensating for your large penis. Yes. If Tasmania was to have a national anthem, what would it be? Whiskey, whiskey, whiskey <laughs> is the greatest drink of all. I was, I was thinking more of an existing song, not one that you just made up there on the spot. But, oh, you know, okay. um, I feel like, you know, it's a strong contender so far. All right. <laughs> what were you thinking then? Um, that's, a good, that's a good question. Oh, the ballad of uh, Peter Bignall? <laughs> yeah. When, when you finally get around to writing it, Ted. 
Um, I don't I, know. I, don't I know. already wrote it in my dreams. Yeah, that's it. You can't recreate that. It's just you could just create a tribute mm. to the greatest song in the world. Ah, oh, Teddy boy, it's the end of the night. It is. It is. Unfortunately. Yeah, and um, sadly, we don't have any more Tasmania Whiskey Weeks to look forward to for about fifty-one weeks. Sad times. Bad uh, times. Mm. Well, luckily, we're running a um, tasting night this weekend of uh, yeah. Tasmanian whiskey, so Off that'll cheer us up. Off to the next one. Off to the next one, yeah. This is the, the way that it works for semi-amateur whiskey podcasters. I think I think uh, my take-homes from tonight have been that um, Dry July was a bit annoying for us, mm. and the people of the Tasmanian whiskey scene are absolutely lovely and we are just yeah so stoked to be a part of yeah especially the um, especially the podcasters they're pretty decent yeah they're (laughs) they're beautiful (laughs) now just a reminder our patreons will be receiving a dram of our review this month which is the writer's tears yep if you think that sounds like a pretty good deal um please head over to um our patreon page with just check out whiskey waffle on patreon yeah if you uh, sign up in the next little while we'll send you some writers tears still yeah absolutely yeah so we've got our drinky buddies um which receive our review whiskey also a tasting panel which gets our review whiskey alongside one of our special tasmanian um rare stash that we like to share with people so that's um you know it's only an extra 20 bucks or something but you get a whiskey that's probably worth 50 dollars a dram in a bar so <laughs> Yeah, and look, if if you don't want to lash out for the um for the those levels, we do have um, other ones that are a bit cheaper. You can still access some great content on our Patreon site, which um, sort of the normal plebs out there don't get to enjoy. So that's that's pretty cool. You can access our um, full in like the full unabridged interviews that we do with our with distillers that we talk to. You can also check out the Faints, which has got random stuff that Nick scrapes off the. Um, <laughs> scrapes up off the ground and uh, turns into a magical podcasting experience. Yeah, and um, actually any level can uh, get to communicate in the um, community. And um, yeah, this month's Review Whiskey was actually voted on by the Patreons. The Writer's Tears now really beat out Ben Romick. Was it Ben Riak? Ben Riak, I think. I always get those two muddled up. Ben Riak, Bernie Moss. Yeah, so maybe that'll come up one day in the future. But for now, I think it's about time we reviewed something tazzy next month. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do it. Mm. Stay tuned for that. But until then, um, time to sign off. I'll say farewell, Wafflers. Farewell. Avidasane. Sayonara. Good night. Thank you for listening. You've been great. Night, everyone, and uh, keep on waffling. Goodbye. Whiskey Waffle recommends you drink whiskey responsibly and only if you're above the legal drinking age in your country. Our lawyers made us say that. Or at least, they would have if we actually had lawyers. Whiskey, whiskey, whiskey (laughs) is the greatest drink of all.